Welcome to Foodcast. I'm your host Rick, and today we have No Tate from Irish Wine Reviews. That's it. Hi, Rick. Thank you very much for having me. Tell us a little bit, like, how you move from the your successful business tax uh, tech business to wine. Okay, yeah, oh, it's a very long story. We'll, we'll go back. A, we'll, we'll, we'll go back a bit. So I've I've enjoyed wine for a long time. Yeah. Uh, let's say enjoyed wine. Uh, never, I never was really too much into it. I just enjoyed a nice glass of wine. But then I, oh, going back about 10, 12 years ago, I had this brilliant boss while I worked in tech. And every time we went out for a team dinner, she'd order a fantastic bottle of wine. And I started to say, oh, hang on. This is better than the wine I usually drink. Uh, and I started to kind of just just look a little bit more and more into it. Um, so then I started to drink a bit more wine. And she, she always ordered a good Bordeaux wine. So I started to look at like Bordeaux and a few other re regions in France. I started to really develop this love for French wine. And that then kind of led into, um, okay, if there's really good French wine I like, maybe there's good Italian or good Spanish wine I like. So I just started to explore a few other regions and I found lots of styles I like. So then like a lot of people, the pandemic happened and I stuck at home <laughs> uh, and with a lot of time on my hands and uh, drinking a lot of wine. All my friends were drinking a lot of wine. All my family were drinking a lot of wine. And they knew I had an interest in wine. So they started asking me, oh, uh, you know, I'm popping around to the shop later. What wines will I pick up or can you recommend any? And I thought, actually, I enjoy doing this. I'm enjoying like recommending uh, wines to people, asking them what they like and then uh, suggesting a wine that they, that, they might not, that they might not have tried but might suit their taste. So from that, I decided, I wonder if I can just start posting these reviews online because I was try still trying a lot of different wines. Uh, so I started off initially just with a, like a lot of people, just an Instagram page. I just took photos of the wine. I tried to take artsy shots, you know, to cork yeah. and try a few <laughs> different styles. And I got it. I grew a little bit of a following, you know, a few hundred people um, and a few comments, nothing crazy. And, you know, I taught a few hundred people. That's brilliant. Um, and then about a year ago or maybe over a year ago, I started to do video um, yeah. reviews and uh, it was absolutely nerve wracking. Um, actually, funny story. I tried to do one minute reviews uh, because I think, you know, people, they, people's time is important. They're yes. scrolling on social media. They don't want to read a big long post. So I tried to do one minute reviews. The very first bottle of wine, I kept messing it up. I was so nervous. And by the time I finished the one minute review, I was nearly through the bottle of wine <laughs> in the space of about 25 minutes. So the last, my very first video review, if you go back and look at it, I was actually really drunk doing that doing that one minute <laughs> review so um from from there more and more people started to message me and i realized there's this wonderful little uh community of wine lovers in ireland uh, and from there just kept doing the reviews and you know i have a thousand or and so followers and it's just enough to keep engaged and it's enough for me to to kind of i suppose it's an excuse for me really to kind of uh, keep exploring wine and learning more and more about it so that's it. Not 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 too short uh, version. Over twelve years ago, you start drinking French wine, as you mm -hmm. comment, and it was from Bordeaux, right? Yeah. Which wine is your favorite? Still, like the French one, like Bordeaux, France, yeah. or uh, explain a little bit that that passion. Yeah. So um, initially, when I started drinking Bordeaux wine, I didn't realize that Bordeaux are nearly <clears throat> exclusively, well, at least Reds are nearly exclusively blends of different grapes. Mm -hmm. Um, so I started to look more and more into that and try to narrow down what I actually like because in Bordeaux you've got the left bank you've got the right bank and on the right bank it's you know there's exceptions but it's predominantly <clears throat> Merlot so their blends are very heavily Merlot and then on the left bank uh, their blends are uh, very heavily Cabernet Sauvignon um, and you know that might have some Merlot there as well it might have some of their other grapes like Cabernet Franc or Petit Verdot and what I started to realize was okay um, there's Bordeaux itself is like a, it's, it's a region a protected region but it's, it's its own style of wine but then even within Bordeaux we have different styles 
so i think what i've started to uh, or where i am now my favorites change all the time but where i am now i love a good bordeaux from the left bank that is really kind of heavily cabernet sauvignon but a bit of cabernet franc as well um, and i think that mix of grapes and the different elements they bring that just seems to really suit my taste your favorite grape would be Cabernet Sauvignon or a blend? A blend. I, I think uh, the Bordeaux blend is definitely my favorite and one that's Cabernet Sauvignon heavy and maybe Merlot and Cabernet Franc. That's kind of a good sweet spot for me. What's your European favorite region? I, I would say it's Bordeaux. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A part of France, which wine and which regions you recommend, let's say? So Bordeaux can be very... Um, Bordeaux wines can be very heavy. They tend to be very tannic, uh, and that's that kind of gripping sensation you get if yeah. you drink a, a really dark red. And so they don't suit a lot of people. Uh, and generally, they're better with food. Um, not all the time. I'll happily drink a good bottle on its own, but generally, they're better with food. Like a good, yeah. uh, like, a, and you'll know this better than I would, but you know, with a good steak or something with a lot of fatty protein in it. Yes. Or maybe even a nice cheese. But um, so they can kind of put a lot of people off. But if you go more kind of south, maybe towards the Loire Valley, uh, Rhone, or even some Burgundies, you kind of get the lighter reds, and they're much more approachable. Um, and uh, they, um, like a, a, a Pinot Noir from Burgundy, all Burgundy red is Pinot Noir, but <laughs> you can get a really wide different price range there. In Ireland, maybe from about 12 to 15 euro would be kind of entry level in Ireland, right up to hundreds and thousands of euro. I, uh, yeah. I haven't tried on yet anyway, but... <laughs> But what I found is even if you go around a 15 euro mark in our in Ireland, like most wine stores will have one or two nice uh, burgundies around this price. It's a Pinot Noir, it's lighter, it's fresher, it's more fragrant and it's a much more approachable, versatile wine, I think. So a lot of people, if I'm trying to recommend, uh, 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 if they, they say they don't really like French wine, and I'm trying to recommend, I won't always go straight to uh, Bordeaux because that's... Oh yeah, that's a specific taste. Yeah, taste, yes. yeah. Uh, but uh, sometimes I'll recommend a nice Pinot Noir, and uh, that I think that that they'll that, that that they'll like because they tend to be lighter and fruitier. Why why people normally uh, would lean towards uh, Italian wine than French? So I think it comes back to how versatile the wine is. So some wines are people pleasers; they're crowd pleasers. Yeah, and I think Italian wines are like that. They're you know, because Italy gets a lot of sunshine, and you know the wines are the grapes are well developed by the time the wine is made, uh, and the wines tend to have a lot of uh, kind of like fruit flavors with them. Um, yeah. You can still you can still get some 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 wines more on the acidic dry side, but they tend to have more fruit flavors, um, and I think they're more people pleasers. Those type of wines, they're not overly overly. Uh, there's nothing that will overly offend anybody. They kind of suit a lot of tastes. You can have them with food. Um, go great with Italian food. I, <laughs> I love making a good Italian pasta with a with with, with a nice uh, with a, a nice Italian wine that suits it. Um, so they go great with food. You can drink them by themselves. Um, some of the lighter ones, in particular, are great summer drinks. You can even slightly chill some of them. Uh, so it's it's about how versatile it is. And I I, I say to a lot of people uh, because they'll ask me what my favorite wine is, and I I'll say, well, that's suits my taste and what i always say to people is the best wine is the wine you like to drink how you like to drink it in the company of your favorite people so if you like a cabernet sauvignon stuck in the freezer great oh my god <laughs> I, I don't but if you like that that's your favorite wine that's the best wine for you i have friends they drink red wine yeah like i have my my my, my wine chiller there you know you're 15 13 degrees yeah they get the red straight away Ice it is the way they drink. Yeah, the first time I kind of experienced chilled red wine, I was in the south of Portugal, just a family holiday. Yeah, 
I think we, we just went out for a lunch somewhere. I got a glass of house red and they had it chilled. And I was like, oh, it's a bit strange. And I tried and I was like, okay, it actually suits the setting. Yeah, yeah. It's a, you know, it's a hot country. I'm just come in from 30 plus degrees. Uh, I'm warm. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm having, I'm having, I think it was a pizza I was having. And uh, just this chilled <laughs> red wine. And it's kind of suited the situation. Yeah. And then only a few weeks ago as well, uh, I was out in Dublin City with my wife um, and we're at this nice new wine bar called Note and they kind of do, you know... Oh, is any good? It's it's lovely, actually. I've been a couple yeah. of times now. I, I've been a few times for... Because uh, co- it's a nice cafe as well. So yeah. I've been a few times for coffee and I, my wife recently gave birth so I was, uh, I was waiting to take her there. So we've been twice in the last couple of months yeah. and uh, they had this... Uh, nice interesting uh loire, loire valley uh red on the um on the menu and i sorry the name of the wines actually escaped me now but i asked the um the the guy be, behind the counter they're all well trained somebody has brilliant staff absolutely brilliant um you know if he'd recommend this one because i just didn't recognize it and the grapes seemed a bit bit odd for the region and he said yep yeah. uh, and he brought it over and he said the winemaker uh was actually here tonight uh, and he recommends this one is served a bit chilled uh so um he not not chilled as in like a white wine but just a few degrees below yeah. room temperature <clears throat> and that was one of the most delicious wines i've had in a long really? time really yeah well it, it just it, what you know the winemaker knows best and he knows what he knows the style he went for uh he knows the grapes that went into it how they're suited best and he just knew this environment this wine's gonna be better just slightly chilled and so it really depends on the wine. Um, there's no kind of really hard rules. It's it's all about you know experimenting, trying different things, and seeing what works. The Irish market's actually quite interesting because we're obviously our economy is does quite well, and we have a we have a high excise on wine, and we then have <coughs> fat on wine as well. So when you have a bottle of wine before even vat goes on it, there's about three or forty of that straight away as excise. Yeah. Um. So. If you have a 10 euro bottle of wine, including bad and excise, probably 45, 50% of that just goes straight to revenue. So you're really paying five euro for the wine. Now, when you have a country like uh, Chile, for example, who can mass produce wine and they've got, they've, you know, they have some wonderful valleys and like big, big long plains that can grow a lot of grapes. And you mentioned earlier on, technically they're, they're the best. Mm-hmm. So in the old world, there's a lot of regions don't let you irrigate and bring mm-hmm. water in. Correct. Whereas some of the new worlds like Chile, they do. So yeah. they can use technology to really mass produce wine um but because they mass produce it that tends to be cheaper so you can get you can get chilean wines for about 10 to 15 euro here um some of them taste mass produced and they're not great others others taste pretty pretty nice and you, you can find a few nice ones with american wine because america is a, a say a stronger economy a, a economy if you buy a bottle of wine over in america you're going to pay about 15 dollars for an average wine uh by the time you import that to Ireland, pay for sh- shipping, pay the American companies to ship it here, <laughs> uh, that $15 bottle of wine is going to cost you about 25, 30 euro here. Yes. So it's, there are some good American wines but it's in, in Ireland, but it's really hard to find a good US wine for kind of under 15 euro. Uh, I've, I've had a bit of success around the kind of 20 to 25 euro really? mark. Yeah. There's a, a, a lovely um, Californian um, winery called Bread and Butter and they have, in the market here, they have a Pinot Noir, a Cabernet Sauvignon, and a Chardonnay. I think and I tried in the uh, Christmas time, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they, yeah they've, there's sorry. a few stores. I think, let me think, Molloy's off-license definitely sell them, and Wheelahan's wine sell it as well. But I, I remember being surprised when I tasted that, because I think I got the Pinot Noir for 20 euro, and I, I tasted thinking it was going to be only mm-hmm. okay, and I was really blown They're away. Good. Yeah. They're good. They're um, good. And I, I, in my last comp- company, I used to travel to the States a bit. Um, 
and uh, you know I'd be chatting to some of my colleagues over there and they'd give me a bottle or a bottle or two to take home and in Oregon there's a I, I'm gonna pronounce this wrong but I think it's Villamont Valley uh, they're making absolutely beautiful Pinot Noirs uh, but they're expensive in the US so by the time they come to Ireland they're priced the price point is too high for what they are they're good wines but they should be around a 20 to 25 euro mark but maybe here there's not many places you can get Oregon wine here but maybe here it's going to be 35 to 40 yeah uh, so it's just it's kind of out of price point by the time it gets yeah, here literally you pay double for the quality of a uh, of a 20 euro it's just for the experience exactly yeah yes so it, it's it, for me i think trying to find wines that i from the new world that i've liked it's it's about experimentation you have to you have to try a few different styles um and an, another kind of interesting thing about the new world is if you look at uh, Rioja in Spain, for example, yeah. they have very strict rules about what Reserva means, what Gran Reserva means. Um, it's yeah. all about how it's aged and uh, uh, how, it's, how it's aged in the bottle, how it's aged in the, in the oak casks. And generally speaking, they'll only make those particular ones from good vintages. Whereas in Chile, for example, the winemakers themselves decide, okay, this is Reserva, this is Gran Reserva. But there's no, there's no kind of rules around it. There's no kind of uniformity. Mm -hmm. So it's harder to pick out good wines um, just based on the label um, but there are there are a few out there um, if you scroll through my page on Irish wine <laughs> reviews you, you'll, you'll find you'll find a few new worlds uh, and I've, I've actually been exploring uh, New Zealand lately um, um, some of their white wines uh, and um, yeah I've found a few nice examples there as well and tell us what, what you brought here who is listening we have two bottles of wine here that Noel brought in mm -hmm. uh, could you explain a little bit yeah so first one uh, so this one is the Sartori Valpolcello Rapasso. Uh, so this wine, and sorry, going back to why I started the page, trying to recommend good wines that people can enjoy and that are readily available in Ireland. Uh, and most people, in, not just in Ireland, everywhere, um, I think it's in Ireland, it's something crazy, like 95% of wines are under the 15 euro price point. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you want to be finding good, tasty wines that are under that price point. And a lot of people will go for their Chilean red um, or, you know, they might go for like an Italian wine they like um, that they're just comfortable with. But what I started to do was to try different styles of wines that I didn't uh, I didn't really understand initially. I didn't know what went into them just to see if I liked them. And going back about must be nearly three years ago now, I tried a, a Valpolcello wine and Valpolcello is a region and there's yeah. there's a few styles of wines within within there. But Valpolcello Rapasso. It's in Valpolcello. There's three distinct styles. There's Valpolcello, uh, Valpolcello Rapasso, and uh, Amarone. And Valpolcello. There's about six or seven red grapes that grow in the region. And Valpolcello tends to be the kind of lighter, fresher, uh, yeah. more fragrant red grapes. And they'll um, they're, they're kind of your younger wines. Um, um, and then Amarone is made with the, the thicker skin grapes and. They use the grapes in what? Uh, sorry, they use the yeah. skin contact for the grapes, so you get more tannic wines and mm -hmm. much. If you ever looked at Amarone, it's really deep red, uh, really yeah. deep intense wine. But the Valpolcello Rapasso that sits in the middle, it's a Valpolcello wine, but then they take the skin, the skins and the seeds from the Amarone, put it back in, and they repress it. That's Rapasso is repressed, oh, yeah. so it has all the characteristics of a, a light fruity red but then with some of the characteristics of a deep red so it's, it's a it's a lighter mouthfeel but it has some of the intensity of a deeper red and if you get the right one it's just it's an absolutely wow. beautiful wine that, that, that's something i didn't know yeah. i didn't know like they they, they get the, the from the other grape and just reprocess and yeah so wow. so most producers in the region will grow uh, the tree styles and they'll use their own grapes others they one might grow the uh 
the grapes for the Amarone and the other might grow the grapes for the Repasso and then they'll combine them. So it's uh, it's this style that's developed over over the last century and it's just, it's I think the wines are absolutely delicious. So this is a really good example of a style you might not have tried before. Yes. And this one is generally around a 15 euro mark, but uh, Super Value in particular, there's a couple of places sell it. Super Value in particular, it seems like every month they have it on sale for 10 euro. Well, so whenever I start, oh, yeah. it, it, whenever I see that, I always pick up a bottle, a few bottles, and that's kind of like one of my mine and my wife's kind of midweek. You know, if we just want a glass with dinner, we'll yes. go to that because you don't need to let it breed. It's kind of it, it goes with most foods, and it's just it like we mentioned earlier on yeah. those Italian styles are more approachable, but this one just has a bit more character because of how it's made. So it, it's just a good example of a style I didn't have a clue about until about two and a half, three years ago, and then I started looking into it and understanding how it was made, and yeah, it's just it's it's. That's it's, something it's, I love about Italians is that it's like yeah. the Italian wine is so inclusive. That's what I normally say. If you do not, you don't drink wine, you start with Italians yeah. because you're not fucked up. Like when I start with French, I knew like it would be Chateau du, uh, du Pape or uh, Chateau du, Ro, uh, du Rhone yeah. was the two main goals for me. Okay, I need by French, need to be one of those because mm -hmm. I, I wasn't sure... Uh, where to go because sometimes uh, French wine if you get cheap is like is Spanish in your 10 euros 12 euros you're gonna have a headache in the following day yeah you'd be <laughs> hammered but is the both ends you need to figure out and then that's how I start with the French but Italian is so flexible so easy yeah and in the one of the things about French regions is like Bordeaux we mentioned earlier on there's only six red grapes you can grow in Bordeaux um, Burgundy is only one yeah um, uh, Coteronde, I think there's, I want to say four or five, but the two main ones are uh, Grenache and uh, Syrah. Yeah. Um, and uh, again, that's mostly mostly blends there. So it, it's it, French, French, French wines. Depending on the region, no, you can get it just a vin de France that can be made with any yeah. grapes. But the the ones with those big names like Burgundy, Burgundy, Coteronde, uh, Pop, which is a region within there. Uh, and um, what ones haven't we mentioned? Lower value, all those they they have specific rules. Whereas Italy, they have uh, far more grapes to choose from, and there are some uh, Italian wines you can get that are blends of like six or seven grapes. Yeah, uh, so you can get lots of different styles, and the winemakers tend to. I think they tend to experiment a bit more from what I see, um, which is how you end up with a nice established style. Do, do, like do you think the, the winemakers in Europe, they start to open a little bit more their minds and saying, okay, let's be a little bit more flexible? Yeah, so it's, it, this is actually something I've, I've started to learn a bit, a bit about recently as well. So in some regions, um, uh, you, you'll have these rules. And if you have a certain amount of winemakers that don't like these rules, they can just break away and grow their own wines and no yeah. longer use your name. And that's happened in a few regions around the world. And I think uh, Bordeaux in particular are starting to see this now. And there's, say, say um, th there's chatter in the wine world that they're going to allow more grapes. And um, actually, the the, um, the I'm doing a wine course at the moment, and the the uh, woman who's running it, she um, mentioned that they're looking at uh, Portuguese grapes, so allowing Portuguese. Portuguese grapes to come into Bordeaux. Now this might be five, ten years away, but and you know might happen, it might not happen. But at least these these protected regions, um, they're starting to at least look at um, uh, changing uh, these rules. Now, you know you can you, you you also have to appreciate that Burgundy wine and Bordeaux wines have the reputation they have because 
they make good quality oh, yeah. wine and it's it's yes. been tried and tested for hundreds of years and it's uh it, it's good for a reason yes. so you don't want to change it too much but i think you know you have to evolve with how the people who drink your wine yeah. evolve as well and you have to change the rules so i'm happy that they're looking at it i don't want to see big huge changes but i'm happy that they're considering it and, and, and looking because at like changes. with the global warming and the seasons changing the sometimes the grape will not adapt well yeah you know like and then need to have some change and adaptation not change mm -hmm. adaptation i think there that would be the correct word yeah um uh, no absolutely and especially with thin skin grapes like uh pinot noir for example yeah they're very susceptible to extreme weather yeah. so a few years ago i think 20 2021 uh, a huge amount of the crop in europe was lost because there was a late frost <laughs> yes um, or an early frost early frost early frost uh, yeah. that uh killed a lot of the uh, killed a lot of the vines and grapes or mm -hmm. uh, not killed them but but, but got to the stage where they weren't yes. they weren't making good wine yes so a huge amount of the crop was lost so it's yeah when you when you have like years like that now as a result that year will be more expensive going forward not necessarily because of the quality but because it's more rare so when you have when you have kind of an entire crop or an entire region that's susceptible to bad weather for example and especially with more extreme weather happening uh it makes sense to kind of look at different allowing different grapes in and yeah it's, it'll be interesting to see how that goes as i said i'm only learning about this part now so i don't know <laughs> a huge amount about it but it's definitely an interesting uh, piece of the wine world oh no it's great that's something i really like about wine and the this not science but like the knowledge behind yeah. it is science and then is is so fascinating like a just a fruit like grapes yeah what can generate what kind of grape as you said the thickness of the skin of the grape make mm -hmm. difference uh, the size of the the, the pits you have or the seeds inside will make difference yep. as well uh, because the, the the way you press how you press uh, so many uh, variants for something so let's say simple nowadays for us you know the ordinary people to think oh, just wine yeah anyone can make wine it's like in the pandemic people start to um, make their own beer in the bathtub <laughs> and they try and say oh my god that's rubbish they, they, then you understand what goes into making yes. beer yeah and like a couple of years ago i don't know if you saw that show um i don't remember the name of the show it was like gino gordon ramsay and i forgot the french right, and then yeah. they went to his uh, home in italy and Gino went there and said, oh, that's my Gino wine. I make and they drank. It was totally rubbish. You know, like, and people, yeah. I can make wine. Yeah. Oh, sorry, a couple of points there. Um, first of all, the, 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 the celebrity wine. So on my page, and I've actually been asked this a few times, why I don't talk about wines that I think people shouldn't buy. And yeah. I try to keep the page a bit more positive, and I'm trying to, because I, I don't want to tell people this is a bad wine don't drink this because everybody has different tastes yes um, but on the other side <coughs> or, sorry what I want to try to do is show people okay this is a nice wine that, that you like and I think you like it for these reasons and I try to describe it I'm not, if it's acidic I'll always say it's acidic because some yeah. people like my wife love acidic wine others don't Yeah. so I'll always try to say it's acidic um, uh, or you know whatever the characteristics are and I tend to not say don't buy this wine because I, I want to show wines you should buy Um but i've tried i think maybe i want to say about 20 different celebrity wines over the last couple of years hoping i could review them and i i, I think there might have been a i think there might have been a kylie minogue rose that i thought that's actually drinkable <laughs> uh that, that i put up but 
yeah, any of the celebrity ones, I've just been disappointed with them. I don't know if it's because my expectations yeah. are too high or because it's a celebrity wine, the price point is going to be artificially yes. high. Um, uh, actually, yeah, I did put one up on my story there. It was um, an Australian uh, red wine and it was, you know, the, is it Blood and Dragons or something like that, the series? Oh, yeah, uh, uh, that was the... Ah, no. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I know, I mean, yes. The yeah. new Netflix series or whatever is Blood and Dragon. It's in, it's, it's a Blood and Dragon wine. So it's yeah. the, the winemaker, it's their normal wine, but it's endorsed by Blood and Dragon. It's twice the price. Because yeah. it's, 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 sorry, CB or CBO, is that the name of the producer? Whatever. Yeah, um, yeah, you pay for the tag. You yeah, pay, uh, pay for the paper on the, gla- uh, on the bottle. Yeah, but I yeah. thought it might have been a different wine or a specially produced wine. I thought, okay, maybe they've used, you know, really good grapes and... Yeah. It was just, it was okay. It was not, it was drinkable. Nothing but it wasn't, special. Yeah. And when I looked it up afterwards, it's the exact same. I paid 20, I want to say 23 or 24 euro for it. And it was the exact same wine as their 13 euro wine. Oh no. It, it's just a different bottle. Yes. Uh, that's all it was. Somebody so. need to make the, the, the money. Yeah. Like there's a good story in, in Brazil, like a nineties when they opened the, the, let's say the, uh, the borders. Yeah. Uh, when it came the, first president elected president in 1990 the brazilians said okay we need to import wine that's 89 and they went a couple of months um like literally november october came to europe and said we need to buy wine because we're gonna <laughs> then now the the tax dropped yeah. we can get containers and sell yeah. they arrive in in europe end of the season that's it it's sold yeah game over yeah so the brazilians the arrived there and said look doesn't matter whatever you have we are taking whatever you have they couldn't find anywhere in europe wine to in the amount they need yeah. to send to brazil so they found a vineyard in germany okay yeah yeah <laughs> you see it is not it's not a joke sounds yeah. like a joke <laughs> they found a vineyard in germany they had tons of wine uh, but they didn't have in bottles and they said, look, this time of the year, you will not find the bottles. Mm. You know, China wasn't making the bottles the way they do nowadays. Okay, China don't make the bottles. But anyway, they had like thousands and thousands of millions of bottles for a specific festival they do every year in that town. Yeah. It's a blue bottle. Yeah. Blue, blue, like blue. <laughs> and they said, okay, doesn't matter. Just put in. They got, they said, okay, those mad, mad Brazilians. Okay, here. Yeah. They sent all to Brazil. They sent it a high premium value. And I remember in the beginning 90s, if you want to show off your rich and posh, you would have as a present for whatever you go or a friend or whatever, that wine. I don't remember the name. It was a German Blue long. German wine. Yes. <laughs> and like I never tried, but probably was rubbish yeah. with a, Nice, nice. A blue bottle is just like the aesthetic. Sometimes it's just like the marketing kicks in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that, that the, the marketing is yeah. It's such a such an important part of wine. So there's um there's another Italian wine. It's a Montepulciano um and it's a longer name I can't pronounce, but its nickname is Twiggy, and it's a, it's a lovely wine. Yeah. I've reviewed it and uh, we we get the odd bottle as well, uh, occasionally as well. But it on the front of the bottle. Uh, there's a little ribbon and they tie a twig now they say the twig comes from the vineyard so it's a piece of the vine uh, a dried twig on the really yeah it's called twiggy is the nickname uh, and, wine, twiggy. yeah and yeah. i've gone i've gone looking for that a few times and 
as soon as you walk into you know a supermarket wine store you see it straight away that that's the one yeah exactly Sakagini yeah I didn't yeah. try to pronounce it I'm, yeah yeah uh, I, I, sorry <laughs> I'm killing yeah. probably my, my grandma is just in, in her grave now oh my god Ricardo stop you know yeah but, but that one um, okay, oh beautiful nice yeah so anytime I talk to people now and I try to recommend that wine I don't even need to pronounce this long name I just say it's called Twiggy and it has a twig in the front yeah. they walk in they see it straight away and that, wow. it's just identifiable so it, it's, can you it, find in Ireland? Yeah, it's it's um, oh god, I, I think O'Brien stocked that one. Uh, Malloy is off license, stock it. Um, Super Value stock it, and Centra as well. They both have a well, a lot of their wines are supplied by the same importer. Uh, yeah, it's widely available in Ireland, and it's around that one's around the I think that's 17, 18 euro price point. Um, and oh, that's for, fair, fair price. Yeah, I think for, for the quality of that wine, uh, again, that's another kind of really approachable italian red but it just has when you taste it you can just kind of get that sense that it's really smooth really really nice oh, drink that's lovely um it's uh for the quality of wine i think that's a good price point for that one how our guests could analyze wine like you do what, what's the steps what you need yeah. to do uh, like step by step the moment you get the bottle uh, to the moment you you're gonna drink yeah how, how it works the process i'm a sucker for a really good looking bottle if I see a bottle with a really cool label I haven't seen before or just a really nice elegant label, um, I'll, uh, it always kind of catches my interest. So I, I, I think of the entire experience from how good the bottle looks uh, then when, you, when you open it up um, and you pour that first kind of, uh, the, the first uh, uh, glass of wine, even just how vibrant the, the wine looks in the glass um, and then you smell it and it's, you know, you can have a wine that has a very uh, light nose and a very intense taste and the other way around um but even just from the first smell it can give you an indication of what the wine is going to uh hold sometimes you're wrong sometimes you're right yeah. uh, so even from the first smell you know you smell the wine because that's a big part of you're, you're a chef you know this the smell is a big part of taste yes uh, if you if you, you know in the wine world they some wines are described as having a barnyard smell uh for for somebody a really experienced wine drinker who reviews wine and you know tastes wine for a living they might love that your everyday drinker might not so you have to you have to try to find a wine that you like that suits your your senses um and um then you know you follow through on the taste and i don't if you ever look at my reviews the video ones i don't slurp i don't go uh, and, and suck the air in like like a like a professional yes. wine taster and the reason being people don't drink wine like that at home you drink wine you pour it in a glass and you take a <laughs> sip uh so i'm not going to slurp it and try to get the extra air in to release the flavors if that's not what people at home yeah. do so um i'll you know i'll squish around my mouth a bit to make sure i, I get as much as i can but I, I don't i don't slurp in um so um yeah don't try to do anything fancy with it just find a wine you like to look of maybe maybe you know there's a particular style style you like um try a few ones around that style if you if you if you like chili and cabernet sauvignon yeah they're great great price points but try a few different ones don't just stick to the same one all the time try a few different ones uh, and then if you like you know you like Chilean Cabernet Sauvignon maybe try an American Cabernet Sauvignon maybe try a, a French one um, and just try to get a, a, a sense of, of the different styles for that one grape um, and then what I do every once in a while if I, I'll just go into a store and I'll see a wine I've never heard of before it might be a region I don't know anything about and you know I, it's only 10 or 12 euro I might just pick it up and try it uh, sometimes it's terrible other, <laughs> other times it's a really nice surprise and you think wow that's another style I yeah. like and then what I do and you don't have to go this far but if I find a style I like I start reading up about it and trying to understand okay what grapes go into this and how are the grapes made and if it's in uh, Valpolicello what's unique about that uh, environment and, and, uh, and the climate that makes the wine this way um, so 
I'm just a bit nerdy like that. You don't have to go that far. Um, but just try different styles. Um, if you know you like one style, don't just stick to it all the time. Try different styles and think about, okay, does this smell good? Does, it, does how, How's the taste? And then if you are somebody who eats a lot of steak, you know, you, you might, your heavy Cabernet Sauvignons and the tannic ones might, might go well with that. But maybe there's, maybe there's some lighter reds that will go lovely with your steak as well. And if you, if you tend to eat a lot of salads and, 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 and uh, chicken and, um, you know, fish, maybe maybe you need to be going for the more acidic wines um that that will that will you didn't mention much about rosé yeah <laughs> any I, reason so i I've, sorry, i've actually had a few rosés recently that i like but i don't really understand rosé very well i haven't <laughs> i haven't tasted enough of it to really yeah. kind of talk about it um, i've nothing against it and there's a few i've tried are absolutely delicious um but uh i don't understand enough about it and i i actually have a couple more at home that i want to uh, taste now but uh Yeah, so rosé is um, it, it, so sometimes it's described as a, uh, a white wine, but made with the style of a red wine. Yes, and that's white wine generally comes from the flesh, not the skin. Uh, so you can actually have some uh, white wines that are made with what look like red grapes, but the mm -hmm. flesh is uh, the, the flesh is much lighter. So uh, some rosés are. Uh, white wines with red, red skin but the skin is pressed with them or they have contact with the skin so it produces this rosé color others are actually blends i didn't realize this i didn't mm -hmm. i thought that was just a joke but there are some regions that make a blend of red and white wine to make a rosé yeah uh, so but i've all, only recently kind of started to look at this so and it was a sparkling uh, rosé i had like the pop the the the, 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 the oh, cage yes. on the cap and everything and it was uh it, so it was, it was, it was a sparkling it was, it was yeah. yeah but it's that, not that the no no i don't think so i saw um, recently in the is the one of like oh sparkly the the bottom uh, the picture is already here yeah yeah and no. we we're guessing no but um yeah. that one was just that's <clears throat> one of the most refreshing wines i've ever yeah. had and in the middle of summer like when you're sitting at your for that two weeks a year of sun we get when you're sitting at your back yeah. um that would be one of the most delicious wines you could have in that environment i, I would say i prefer to get a rosé than get a white wine me personally a lot of people are like that yeah because yeah. like you still have that note of the, the the red and that's something i appreciate a lot my question is there's any specific way to open a bottle of wine <laughs> um there is there's there's lots of ways to open a bottle of wine um, I'll, i'll actually I'll, i'll open this one i'll try to hold it up above the camera so we can see a bit um so sp sparkling wine yes um you want you don't want the cork to explode out and, yeah. and smash a light or smash a window <laughs> Uh, a sparkling wine needs to be chilled it needs yes. to be if it's too warm it'll be more explosive but it needs to be chilled right down and you're not vigorously trying to shake shake out you're just gently twisting it out and twist and twist keep your hand over and it'll eventually just pop that's the most tricky one that people get um screw caps are very straightforward you twist it off uh a, a cork and with that has the uh the capsule over it like this it's it, there, there's no kind of There, sorry, there is an art. There's a proper way to do it. But when you're at home, there's nothing fancy you need to do. You just need something like this, kind of a waiter's friend corkscrew. Or even if you don't have one of these and you have the lever corkscrews, yeah. that's fine as well. Just just use a knife. But do cut the foil off and I'll explain why now. Should um, I cut the foil, sorry, on yep. top of the, the, the ring or no. in the bottom? No, I'd, always, the correct I'd, I'd always go towards the bottom. Now, there's two ways to do it. You can cut it around the bottom and then do a, 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 an upwards cut and then it peels off. I try to get it on the on the rim just right at the bottom and what now I'm doing this wrong because I'm sitting down but you should be twisting your hand not the bottle and I'll tell you why I always open wine at the same point on my kitchen counter 
And if I'm twisting the bottle, you'll hear this. It's eventually just going to scrape into your kitchen counter and you don't want that. So you always want to be twisting your hand, yes. not the bottle. So you twist your hand around and you get around it and then you do this upward cut here. Oh, and it just pops off. And then put the knife away then because you'll stab yourself in the hand. I've done that. And you want to be getting the corkscrew right in the middle. Right in the middle. And again, you're twisting your hand. You're not twisting the, the bottle. bottle. You're twisting your hand. You get in and all these corkscrews will have two levers. Get it in as far as you can. Use the top lever. Just literally straight up. Wedge it out. Get the second lever in. There'll be a little pop there. And that's it. Nice. And uh, yeah, so it's not, it's not, it's not too complex. Uh, you can mess it up. Uh, if you don't put the corkscrew in too far, you'll tear the cork in two and then you've got a mess on your hands to try to fish and, it out. Uh, why people uh, smell the, the cork? Uh, so, the reason you smell the cork, and I kind of, I'm starting to recognize this now, and I, um, <clears throat> I, as soon as that opened, I knew it wasn't corked. People smell the cork for two things. You want to get, you can actually get a sense of the aroma for the wine, but the other main thing is you want to make sure it's not corked. And corked is a, can be a misleading term because some people think if there's bits of cork in the wine it's cork yeah. it's not cork corked literally means the wine has had a bad reaction with the cork maybe there's a bit of uh, bacteria in the cork or something like that and the wine has reacted badly with it and when that happens you'll get this really kind of damp cardboardy smell yes and the wines are safe to drink they're not they're not going to kill you but they can have a really unpleasant taste with them and it will, you'll have that damp, damp cardboard will kind of go into the taste as well. So in a restaurant, what you'll notice a lot of the time is when the waiter opens your wine, they'll actually have a smell of the cork or they'll whiff the bottle under, under their, their nose. And so most of the time, if you have a good, uh, a good waiter or a good sommelier in a restaurant, you'll never even get the bottle of wine if it's corked. They'll recognize it straight away. Uh, and so when they pour you your first sip, they're not saying, do you like this wine? They're saying, can you just confirm that the wine isn't corked? Uh, that you don't think there's any correct there's other yeah. things that can go wrong with a bottle of wine but maybe too much air got into it or whatever uh, they're just asking to confirm that the wine hasn't gone bad uh, and when we see the cork uh, by itself sometimes you see half not half of the cork but like one third of the cork would would have like literally wine yeah what, oh, yeah. what, what that what that means uh, so I, 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 I love this this cork doesn't unfortunately it's not a good example but sometimes when you when you look at a cork, you'll see there is, and you'll notice this with red yeah. wines, uh, and the red wine is kind of soaked into the cork nearly. Uh, that tells you a few things. It tells you that the, cork, the bottle has been stored properly. It's been stored on its side because the wine has been in contact with the cork. And secondly, it's been aged because cork isn't actually very absorbent. That's why it's used. So for a cork to absorb the color in like that and absorb the wine, it means it's been sitting on its side for a few years. So if you get a, a, a wine with maybe a Syrah or a Cabernet Sauvignon based in it, like a Bordeaux or a, and, and those type of wines, and, and it's been aged maybe more than five, six years, you'll see that, that really deep color go up to cork. And so that tells you the wine's been aged. And even before you look at the year in the bottle, you know it's been aged and you know it's, uh, it's been in the bottle for a few years and that it's, um, it's uh, been stored properly as well. So that's that's really that all that all that tells you is the bottle's been stored on the side, so the wine's in contact with the cork, and it's taken a few years to get that far. Now, if you look at really old bottles of wine, I think the oldest bottle I had was probably last year. I was out with a uh, me and my wife were out with a, a friend of mine, um, French guy, who really knows his wine. I love going out with out for dinner with him because he really knows his wine. Um, and we ordered it was a it was a, I, can't, I can't remember where, where in Bordeaux, but it was a Bordeaux from uh, nineteen ninety two. So it was about 30 years old last wow. year when we drank it. Um, that's the oldest one I ever had, and half the cork was red. 
uh, nearly half the cork. So straight away he knew. Now the 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 sommelier in this restaurant who we went into uh, Darwin's in Dublin City. It's one of my favorites. This wasn't actually on the menu. He was French. Spoke to my my friend in French, and he said, "I don't know what they said." And he came out with this bottle of wine that was off the menu. So um, we we had this anyway. And was, but my friend wouldn't let me touch it for about half an hour. He's like, "No, finish this wine. Let that sit there. Let it breathe a bit." And we tasted it. And it was just sensational. So smooth. The flavors were more intense than anything I've ever had well, from a wine. Why the wine? Two questions. Why the wine uh, was sitting there breathing? Uh, mm. what, what that do? I answer that one and then I asked the, okay. the other one I have I would not put two in one so there's you know you mentioned earlier on that wine making there is a science to it there is I I kind of counter argue and I'd say there's a little bit of art and a little bit of science yes. that, that you need to combine to get good wine but when it's sitting out what it's essentially doing and I think white wines generally there's some white wines do benefit from breeding red wines I think most red wines can benefit from at least 15 20 minutes out breeding uh, but your really deep dark reds um, generally they're higher in tannins and when you pour that first you have to remember they've been trapped in this bottle for years um, they haven't been reacting with oxygen for years and the tannins can be very grippy and you can taste it and they yeah. kind of just get get you here and uh, some people describe it I used to describe it as kind of a, a sharp taste an unpleasant sharp taste uh, when you pour an old bottle of wine first um, but as you pour it out and you let it uh, react with the oxygen that's why people use decanters because yeah. you pour it into that sorry that does two things first of all if there's sediment in the bottle you can uh, decant it to avoid any of the sediment and then second of all there's a much bigger surface area so the wine is is getting more oxygen quicker and that basically I don't know I'm not going to try to explain the scientific part but what it does is it cuts down the sharpness of the tannins and it makes the wine taste a little bit smoother so a lot of the time if you have say a Cabernet Sauvignon and you take your you pour it out of the bottle and you take your first sip it could taste very sharp an unpleasant sharpness if you leave that for 20-30 minutes and come back to it you can taste like a completely different wine wow it's kind of like I, I don't know the science behind it uh, but it's kind of like magic to, that's that's a, that's all right <laughs> the the bottles uh, they have like the screw cap yeah. or they have the synthetic cork mm -hmm. uh, that influencing the flavor of the wine like if you're aging and as well If I go now to any shop and buy a bottle for yeah. 20, 10 years or 15 years and leave at home aging, mm -hmm. can I do that? And then like it would make a difference, it these, those things. It depends on the wine. So uh, Pinot Grigio isn't going to age well. When you have a Pinot Grigio, that should be a young, fresh wine. Um, you want to drink it within the first one, two, three years kind of maximum for Pinot Grigio. And uh, once it gets beyond that, it starts to get a bit flat. Um, it, it's really your darker reds. Generally speaking, there are some whites benefit from aging, but it's really your darker reds uh, benefit from aging. And there's two ways you age wine. First of all is in uh, in the container. That could be an oak barrel or it could be a, a stainless steel barrel or a, a, a concrete, uh, not barrel, a big concrete vat. Um, That, and, and, the, and the wine is the, the wine is doing its thing there the, the yeast is making the alcohol and all the magic is happening and then it goes into bottles wine still can age in bottles and it's mostly your when you get a really old wine uh, like a really old Bordeaux or a really old Burgundy um, not every grape can age it's particular grapes and it's not even every grape every year if 
a grape has had a particularly good year and a particularly good season it might age better than the following year if the, if you know there was bad weather all year and the grape didn't develop the way it usually does so there's a, this whole science behind you know how you can age a bottle of wine and how long you should age it for and even there's even a deeper community that i'm involved with of people who there's all these online forums where they might have a you know a particular margot from you know 2003 and they'll talk to each other online that say is this a good year to drink it or should i keep it for another few years so it really depends on the grape uh how good the the, the vintage is and um and if there's any if there's any more development to happen in the bottle uh so you're most of your dark red generally speaking again there's exceptions to everything but most of the time dark reds will be fine to let go for a if few I years get the right grape the right grape to age as you said and then go to the shop today cost 12 euros if i leave sitting uh, for a couple of years will it taste better it depends if it's the right grape it might do yeah <laughs> and it, you need to be very it, patient it's, it's, it's not an exact yeah. science that's it that, that's yeah. the thing and it's it again it's really down to your personal preference so as an as a wine mm. ages the the uh, the primary flavors that you get those fruits they'll die down and the the secondary and the tertiary flavors um that might be your you know your oak flavors uh, your vanilla maybe even your chocolate and then your more tertiary flavors like even like mushroom and, and, and things like that they'll start to increase so it, again it depends on your own taste i can say it will be better it might be more expensive it might not suit somebody's taste so it, the flavor profile changes um uh, as a wine develops or ages in the bottle um but all wines will hit a point where they're at peak and then they start getting worse and um, if you want to do that uh, and because I do not understand the science behind this, it's a whole other level to get to. Uh, talk to the guy in your local wine store. Um, and you, I, I, I wouldn't go to a supermarket. If I wanted to buy a bunch of wine to, to age, I wouldn't go to a supermarket. I'd go to a, a specialist wine store and I'd chat to the guys there, um, uh, the guys or girls there. Um, there's some fantastic stores, particularly in Dublin and even a few others I've been to outside. And a lot of these have good relationships with the produ- with the producers as well, and the producers will know. Um, like this is a this is a really good quality wine. You can age this one. And what a lot of people do is when they have their um, you know, when they have their first kid, maybe or their second kid, they'll buy a bottle of wine from yes. that year to be able to drink on maybe their eighteenth birthday or their twenty first yeah. birthday, whatever. And if you buy a bottle of Pinot Grigio, that's not going to be good in twenty one years. Ah uh, no but no you, yeah, it will be a vinegar. <laughs> if you get the ripe the ripe Bordeaux that could be a sensational bottle of wine in 21 years so if you want to do something like that talk to the, to the guy in your local wine store don't just go getting anything because um, there's only good, you, some wines you can do that you, with you got to a good point where the Irish culture for wine happened in the past 20 years uh, okay yeah. we are drinking our, uh, Irish is drinking wine for centuries Yeah. but like the, to, uh, to drink as a appreciate what you drink is in the past 20 years and i would say 10 years ago wasn't as good as now yeah. comparing with other markets like the continental europe even brazil i see the uh, wine culture is totally different i have friends uh, back home they it, like they work with wine and one of them literally is like a stock trade yeah. like where she works is basically um People just call and say, like, people actually know wine and say, I want three or four cases of a Bordeaux year X. And they pay, like, hundreds of thousands of reais mm-hmm. or euros. Yeah. And they store there for them. Mm-hmm. And then stay there. Yeah. And then if the value goes up, 
they can sell or they can consume or sometimes you send to their own uh, uh, seller in mm -hmm. their houses yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's something surreal just to think when I have the, those conversations uh, with her uh, I look and say wow it's mind blowing and the, the, the level and the depth of the, 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 the wine is surreal uh, do you think we're gonna get that level? Are we in that level here in Ireland, oh. and we just don't see it, or how it works? No, I I think we're a long way off that really kind of wine as part of the culture level. It, 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 sorry, to your point, it's definitely much uh, m much bigger range of wine here, and it's much m much bigger wine culture in Ireland than maybe twenty years ago. Um, but it it kind of funny uh, story to, to talk about that. Um, my friend uh, from France, who I mentioned earlier on, we were out for dinner and I had that 30 year old wine. Uh, in Ireland, um, a lot of people, their parents will have a credit union account for them. And maybe yes. every week they'll stick five year or 10 year in. And then when they're 18, 21, they'll get a credit union account. And it's enough maybe to, for the first little run around car, whatever. Oh yeah. Uh, my friend from France, his family, uh, used to buy him boxes of wine from the time he was a baby and keep it in the family cellar. So that was his investment for his future. Um, his dad, every time he came across uh, you know, a, a good deal on a case of wine, he'd get it and he'd put it in the cellar with, uh, with my friend's name on it. And, that was, <laughs> and, and so the culture there was wine is an investment. Whereas yeah. here, it's like oh, we put the money in the credit union yeah. um, or buy prize bonds um, if, uh, if you've been around a while. Uh, so <laughs> it, it, that level of culture where wine is really a part of everything and you know um, you, you'll have wine with every single meal you'll have a glass of wine that doesn't really exist here yet um, my very first uh, French boss from uh, from Bordeaux uh, going back 12-15 years ago I'll always remember I was only I was kind of new working in tech then um, well I was in my mid-twenties I think um, when I started working for her and we used to go for team lunches and I remember being amazed she'd ask who wants wine like for lunch while we're working and my mind was just blown I was like well we're supposed to be working we can't have a glass of wine that's crazy uh so even then I was kind of shocked by that now I'll any day of the week I'll have a glass of uh wine with um with lunch I don't get to do it all the time but uh because you're driving the kids around and everything but uh if, if the opportunity arises I will happily have a glass of wine with lunch now um but I remember my parents talking about wine and it was always like just red or white you go to a restaurant what wine would you like i'll have a red wine please yeah um and you know each unless you went to like higher end restaurants a lot of restaurants might have only had two or three reds or two or three whites uh now even even your now even kind of your restaurants that don't specialize in wine might have 10 12 reds and 10 12 whites and a couple of roses in there and maybe even an orange wine now um <laughs> so it's uh the culture is developing here um, but i think we're a long way off that kind of old world european uh, culture of wine that's interesting what you said about the culture and how is developing uh, from 10 years ago to now i can see it like 10 15 years ago uh over 50 oh geez i'm getting old <laughs> uh when it came to ireland to now i will not say time frame now anymore uh change a lot but i still feel like uh, i remember going to restaurants it would be like maximum four or five bottles uh, of red probably two white and that's it nowadays you see more variety but like majority of the places you go they don't have a deep knowledge what they're serving they they know how to open a wine mm -hmm. pour a little first they don't acknowledge like they, they as you said the right way 
using even the cork or, or the bottle, yeah. etc. They, they don't know that. I don't know if it's because, I don't know, I know, but okay. Too many kids, too much time to invest on them and they will last just for a month, two months. Yeah. Uh, what's the way to fix that? How, how you see as a part to fix? You, you think your page and yourself is the channel for the people actually want to appreciate wine? I, I, I think what my page does well, and there's a lot I don't do well as well. But what my page I think does well is I, because I try different styles and I try to explain. Um, okay, as I mentioned earlier on, is this acidic? Is it dry? Um, and I'll uh, try to talk a little bit about the sensation, the one, the different flavors I get. If you. It, few people tend to try every recommendation i give and i'll get messages back to say oh i tried that wine you recommended and i loved it thanks very much so i think what 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 my page does well is it encourages people to try different styles of wine that maybe they just never even considered or they never thought about or maybe they thought it sounded too too strange to 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 to, to, to drink and as i said if they just like their cabernet sauvignon from chile they're afraid to try anything else um but seeing the review and see, hearing how it sounded they went and tried it so that's the type of good feedback I get that people tried wines that I never would have considered and they said that was lovely. Uh, me and my wife have bought another few bottles for this weekend. Um, that's that, that's the kind of, I think that's the, the good learnings that people can take from the page. Uh, and even in 2021, I tried to get through a lot of Italian wines. That's how I discovered this guy in front of me. I tried to get through a lot of Italian wines. So I was talking about different Italian styles that, that I hadn't come across and the different grapes that go into them. And I got a huge amount of people messaged me to say, I've never even, that when I started explaining Rapasso, yeah. people say, I never even heard of it. I tried it and it was lovely. So that's what people can kind of, I think, take away from my page. Um, but I think when you go to a restaurant, even the restaurant, even the type of restaurant where the staff aren't, they, they haven't been sent on wine courses and, you know, you might not understand the intricacies of pairing a wine with food. At least if you know the style you like, if you know, okay, I like an acidic wine or like a really dark, whatever way you want to describe it. Um, you know, you, you shouldn't be expected to explain a wine like a master's. Yeah, not master's like a sommelier, yeah. but like at least have a, a basic knowledge yeah. would be good. But if you can just articulate, okay, I like a, I like a light fruity white. I like a, a, I like a light fruity red. I like a really deep, intense red. I like something, something acidic. Whatever way you want to explain it, just know what style you like so that when you go to a restaurant and you don't recognize anything on the menu, you can just ask them. And if you... Just keep it at a basic level chances are that they'll be able to say oh this one a lot of people try this one or a lot of people try that one um and there's a big difference between that and when you go to a, a, a restaurant where all the sommeliers have their diploma in wine and uh like they'll be able to say oh this one's from uh this particular region in spain and the soil there is has this type of clay and so because of that it'll have these characteristics which means it will go very well with your fish like you'll get that in some restaurants yes. and i think it's great but you're not going to get that in most places but if you just know at a basic level the type of style you like um that's usually enough to get you by and look you're picking out a wine sometimes you'll find a great wine you like other times you'll get a wine that you don't really like it's kind of hit, it is hit and miss but it's all kind of learning let's try this yeah. wine let's see it yeah so th this is a repasso so i mentioned earlier on this for me has the best of both worlds it's kind of like you'll get you like, oh this one's actually more oaky than i remember but you 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 yeah. when you taste it you'll get some of the lighter fruits but you'll also get those darker notes as well and it's not as uh, we don't have a white surface to hold this over but it's oh the lights look at that oh uh, yeah and the light it yeah. goes very well yeah so, ruby yeah it's it's yeah. a kind of it's a light to medium ruby like you can see your 
the outline of your fingers through it so it's a light yeah. to medium ruby um and uh yeah so when you taste this it's very yolky actually and like uh, the color of the wine as well like uh the way i learn when when it's slightly yellow and the colors what that means so the older a wine sorry red wine loses its color as it gets old um, and when i say it loses its color it doesn't become white wine it loses some of the the ruby or the yes. purple and you'll get what people describe as tawny it's kind of like a brownish uh, yellowish hue and yes. if you you'll see it the first time around the edges you'll start to see this tawny color come through you won't see it in this one or at least you shouldn't well, yeah. um the, no no definitely not and that just shows that the wine has been aged yes. because as red wine ages and develops it loses some of the the ruby or purple that's that 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 that, that makes red and wine the tears red. when you put it like yeah. on the side and you see the tears or if they come too quick what what that means so the tears are basically and it, but in a nutshell uh, in a nutshell it's the it will give you an indication of the alcohol level yeah. so if you have these tears that are really big and thick and they drop slowly it's generally generally going to be higher in alcohol uh, if if nothing sticks to the glass generally speaking it's going to be lower in alcohol so this one i think is around 13 yeah 13 and 13 and a half percent um i didn't know that from looking at it i've had this wine before <laughs> so um so yeah that's that's what the legs are so you'll hear people say yeah it's leggy and sometimes i'll describe a wine as leggy and that's yeah. when i look at it and i think okay wow that that's gonna be that's gonna be strong so when you when you taste oh, it now is fabulous yeah so there, there, yeah, there's more oak in this one than i remember but so when you when you taste this you should get there's not really the bright vibrant red fruits and that but there's a few red fruits there's a hint of cherry there for me mm -hmm. um but what you'll get with this one as well is you'll get some of those darker notes coming through as well and there's a, a nice hint of acidity on this one yeah so i mentioned earlier on my wife loves uh, a good acidic wine and that's why she likes this one she just likes that kind of mouth-watering acidity that you get but i think if you get a wine with the right level of acidity <clears throat> that really helps the finish because the acidity is what makes your mouth salivate. Yes. And if your mouth is salivating, it tends to make this, the flavor stick around that, for longer. That's something. Uh, I don't put in my reviews in the wine because I think people probably in the wine community probably would murder me. The salivating, I know the acidity make you salivate, but that's umami. Yeah. And they don't describe, they say, oh, acid, acid, uh, dry, da, 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 bold. They don't put umami. Yeah. I, I would describe as umami and I, I, I really want to say oh there's a lot of umami or something but I think people just said what the fuck you're saying yeah. just shut up you know go back to the kitchen I, I haven't been brave enough yet to say umami, in my, yeah. umami or umami in my uh, reviews um, yeah but that, that's exactly what it is it's that kind of sensation yes uh, that a food or a wine will, will bring because when you put something like that uh, what, what do you want to pair something you're going to get umami uh, like why it works well with meat because afterwards like meat sometimes if okay depend the cut you're getting and how you cook like chicken example normally it's dry if you don't know how to cook and then you go to a restaurant sometimes you see something you, see, you just say oh my god and then you need something will make you salivate to lift up that but wow that is just a find and how much you said is this bottle that's 10 euro at the moment 10 euros yeah I'm gonna buy a case. <laughs> so the, the normal price for this is around fifteen euro. Uh, it seems like every second month, Super Value have it reduced to ten mm -hmm. or twelve euro. And for me, I think this is one of the best ten euro wines wow. in Ireland when it's when it's at that. Wow, that that's fabulous. And and this 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 why I like Repasso. That's kind of the lower end of Repasso. 
you can spend really actually O'Brien's have some uh, lovely repassos there's a Rosardi repasso uh, Rosardi Valpicello repasso I think it's Rosardi in O'Brien's uh, that is just you you taste that and you can kind of just you, you just kind of melt a bit when you taste it yeah. it's just absolutely delicious um, so repasso if you want to go up to that kind of 20-25 euro range there's lots of incredible ones uh, but this for me because that's that's what i kind of set out the page to to do is just to find good everyday drinking wines that aren't going to break the bank because it's you know, fair yeah it's affordable it's not something like that's very affordable for, yeah for tenor that's extremely affordable yeah and if, if i was out for in a restaurant and you know i ordered a steak and i ordered that to go with it i i wouldn't be disciplined you know at a restaurant you're going to pay two or three uh, yeah, times you the pay price the, the, yeah. the premium there yes. yeah so if, if i pay 30 35 euro in a restaurant for that i'd be absolutely delighted with that there's uh, a vineyard that's been going for a few years called luska uh, wine in in uh, lusk north county dublin it's the name luska where it comes from and i've tried their, i've only tried their wine once about two years ago and it was uh it was a grape i hadn't had before uh so it, it, and it was a nice wine but the i think the challenge for the the irish market there is <clears throat> it's land in ireland is very expensive especially in dublin yes, even north county yes. dublin so if you've got you need a lot of space for a vineyard so if you've got that much space for a vineyard and you know the yields here aren't going to be huge because we don't get a lot of sun uh so you're not going to get the same quantity of wine here as a, one of the big mass producers in uh chile would get um the wine is going to be a higher price point so uh luska i know they sell half bottles uh and then your your your, your standard bottle of wine but because they produce it in small volumes, they release the wine uh, and then within a few months you can't buy it anymore. So it's very hard to, to, to yeah. buy. It's seasonal. I'm, I'm not sure if they export or not, but there's a, there's a couple of new vineyards starting up. There's um, the owner of uh, Le Cave Wines, Arnaud, a um, fr French guy living in Ireland, uh, has a bunch of business here, all kind of food and wine yeah. related. Um, he has he started the vineyard down in Gory a few years ago and he's close to producing his first wine I actually have an invite to go down and check out the vineyard in, in the next uh, month or so so I, I'll take him up on that once the evenings get a bit a, a bit longer I'll take him yeah. up on that invite um, and I've messaged him a few times and he's he can tell the passion and the excitement behind what he's doing because he loves Ireland he, he's decided to uh, raise his family here in Ireland uh, loves his French wine he imports French wine here as well and he sells them through lecavewine.ie I think it's just Le Cave Wine or Le Cave that I or Le Cave Wine that I. Um, I've had I've tried a few of his wines. They're absolutely delicious, and they're wines you wouldn't get anywhere else. So he he really knows his wine, and you can tell even just from messaging him and the couple of times I spoke to him, he has this passion about it and he really yeah. wants to turn this into something great here. Uh, and then just by chance, again through the Instagram page, uh, there's another producer in North Tipperary. Um, this guy he has a he, sorry he's had fruit orchards for a few years. Uh, he produces honey. He has a few few Avery's. Is that what? When you produce honey and you have bees an avery I think. Uh, yeah, yeah i think so yes so yeah. he produces his own honey and he's recently started growing his own vines as well so in the next few years he's going to have a few wines coming out so it's a very very small um uh, uh list of producers in ireland i think there's a few others there was one down in cork a few years ago i think they might have stopped yes. since uh, i think but, they still there are they, they still going yeah, yeah. i but, it, but it's make sure uh, yes it's a very niche uh producing market in ireland and the, th the thing about it is there's some grapes that you need a hot climate uh to to to, to grow uh, yes. but there are other grapes uh some of the tin skin grapes that, that would you know they're not they might not be perfectly suited to ireland but if we can take 
okay, the knowledge of some of these guys who are coming here yes. with some of the newer technologies, there's no reason why we can't grow some grapes uh, and produce some uh, nice wines here. And I think Lusk is a good example for that. They Their, their wines are pretty tasty. Um, but again, it's that because it's grown in Ireland, land in North County, Dublin, uh, the price for everything in Ireland is higher. It's going to be a higher price point than an equal quality wine, uh, say, if uh, that maybe a northern french wine that would be a closer climate uh so it's a very very small produce uh, number of producers here at the moment uh, it'd be a premium yeah but it seems to be there seems to be more people interested you in think it. the quality would match the price <sighs> that would be the challenge uh because I, and that's one of the things i talk about when i try to score wines is okay this is a good wine here's my score for it and i i use a zero to five model and um, i don't do it in the 80 to 100 and um, yeah. i try to give it out of five uh, i think that's more I, i do the same like zero to five yeah. like zero to ten was my first idea yeah but i open a range like when you put the like, measure the wines i get it will be like 3.8 3.9 4 yeah maximum four and they stay in that range and it's basically a fair wine yeah so yeah. it's because a lot of people use Vivino yeah. and it's it's a similar to the Vivino model yeah yes that's the that, idea. That's, that's why I chose it and I but the other thing I try to do is I try to say okay this wine I'm giving it 4.1 out of 5 but the price is 50 euro I'm like okay if you're paying 50 euro you want a little bit more so I'd say this might be just a special occasion wine or a wine like this if I pay 10 euro for this and I give this a 4.1 out of 5 I'm saying this is your everyday drinker that's what you want you want oh, a wine that's, yes. that's good value uh, it's not going to break the bank and it's tasty your everyday drinker so that's what that's that's what i try to bring into the wines so if i was reviewing irish wines um it's been misleading irish wine reviews because i haven't actually reviewed an irish wine on the site i will i will <laughs> um but if i'm reviewing wines produced in ireland the price point is always going to skew the way i the way i review oh, yeah, yeah. Now, the quality of the wine might be absolutely fine it might be delicious but, but the, the price the, is always going to be the good part in ireland that's like um the weather is changing You saw last summer was perfect. Yeah. Like I remember last summer, the past two summers, you start to find corn, Irish <laughs> grown corn in the mar in the supermarket. Yeah. Something you never seen before. It's seasonal, fair. Yeah. No problem. I don't have a problem with that. But it's grown here. So I think that's the next part. And the good part in Ireland comparing with continental Europe, in the long run, we don't have the dock. We can do literally the new world in Ireland. Yep. So uh, they can cheat a little using polytunnels or whatever needs to be done. I know they need the UV light. Yeah. But uh, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. So they can use different ways to adapt to get there or import grapes from Portugal to bulk it up, mm -hmm. you know, and, and so on, so long. Uh, so I, I think that's something really Yeah. exciting to see and when do you think they will start to kick out and showing the in the shelves in the shops so uh the, actually the celtic whiskey store uh in just off stevens green um they stock uh, the lusco wine every time it's available they they stop it there uh and so it's it's already appearing you don't have to buy it straight from the producer it's already starting to appear mm -hmm. retail uh i'd say i'd say in five to ten years i think it'll be not very common but I think it wouldn't be surprising to see the odd Irish wine around the place. Uh, because these are just the ones I know about, but there could be a dozen more who just, you know, they have a bit of land, they like their wine, they said, I think I can grow a few vines. There's actually this guy, um, uh, I think the Instagram page might be called Kimmage Wine. Uh, 
guy based out in Kimmage and he's growing about six Rondo uh, vines out his back garden. <laughs> and his first year, I think he got about 10 bottles. But it, that, that's just like a hobby producer. Yeah, yeah. So uh, if, you, if, if you get more and more kind of hobby producers like that, and it's just, it's one wall he has out his back, just yeah. south facing and he gets all the sun, it's sheltered and he can then control the water and he was able to make wine himself. And I... I love making things myself so even uh, I love Italian food and I I make my own pasta from scratch sometimes when I do it just tastes better and yeah. could you imagine if you grew wine yourself that first taste it doesn't matter if it could be the worst wine in the world <laughs> but if you taste it it's going to taste like the best it's wine like, in the world. it's like Gino's wine yeah yeah Gino you was drink Gino. oh that's amazing <laughs> and Gordon just oh my god <laughs> so I think the more people you get that are these kind of hobby producers that will eventually lead yeah. up into bigger it's the same with the, the, yeah. the beer making Ireland yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. if you see 10 years ago didn't have much of the smaller breweries and then they start uh i think about like seven eight years ago was the Wicklow wolf yeah and then they start to grow and now there is the hopefully and there is the other breweries popping out of in between brackets nowhere yeah it's not nowhere they are in the market in the past couple of years it's just like now they start to be seen in the scenario i think yeah. the wine is the next uh, train not train but the next step for the Irish wine would be that yeah but that said what would be the next wine train in your opinion though oh the next wine train who would be um, the next sexy wine in the shelves well definitely not a celebrity wine <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know I, I know sometimes I, actually you know I messaged a German friend of mine a few weeks ago because I had a German wine that I really liked it was a German Pinot Noir and I was like I knew you know Germany's famous for its Riesling and uh, and so on. I'm not a big Riesling drinker, but apparently Germany makes some of the best Rieslings in the world. Uh, but outside of that, I didn't think they made anything. And I tried a Pinot Noir from Germany that I liked. I actually, I had, there's a review of it up on the site, and um, I messaged him. I was like, I didn't realize Germans actually made good red wine. And he <laughs> he had some kind of snarky reply back. I was like, I think that's bad marketing on Germany's side. But anyway. Uh, German wines, I think, um, based on that and based on a few others that I, that have been recommended that I have at home to try, I think German wine might become a bit more popular here. It's mm -hmm. it's actually one of the big wine, wine biggest wine producers. I think yes. it's in the top five wine producers in the world. So definitely top ten, um, but it's not very popular in Ireland. I don't I don't know why. Maybe just our taste didn't didn't didn't. They, they're they're very good. They, I think the main issue uh, for the marketing for the uh, the German wine is their names. They're, it's difficult they're very to pronounce. Hard to pronounce. Yes. Yeah. Um, even it was a Pinot Noir I tried and I looked up in Germany Pinot Noir has a different name a German name Yeah, I didn't say that in the review <laughs> I just said Pinot Noir I, I, in the written text underneath yeah. I said it but um, yeah it, it, and even, even the different classifications for wine within Germany um, they're uh, they're uh, yeah they're just uh, because imagine uh, you said uh, what are you going to drink tonight huh? I'm going to drink a uh... Uh, Chateau de Rome, yeah. you know, like French, it sounds beautiful, it and then sounds sexy uh, and beautiful, Pinot Grigio yeah. or whatever, you know, yeah. like Italian, and then I uh, would drink a <laughs> what <laughs> you yeah. know, it's a little bit brutal. What are you drinking? So, if they can become a bit more friendly with their marketing and make <laughs> yeah. it easier, maybe maybe they'll take off. But yeah, so Germany has it's not just Riesling in Germany, there's some other uh, lovely wines as well. Italian, um, Italian wines in particular. Now, I know uh, there's some uh, Chianti's that are very, very popular. Yeah. Uh, there's a few Tuscan wines that are popular in Ireland as well. But it, you don't really get your mass producers like you do your uh, Chilean wines or your Australian yes. or New Zealand yes. wines. You don't get the mass producers. 
um, so I honestly think people are going to start moving away, uh, moving away from these mass-produced wines that are, you know, they're they're again when I say with wine you have to take price point into account and when you think right what's my everyday wine that i can have a couple of glasses with dinner on a wednesday uh, you don't want to be going spending 20 25 euro for that you want 10 12 maybe up to 15 euro oh. and i, mm -hmm. I think people are going to start moving away from just the the base level of those and maybe paying an extra couple of euro more for the uh the the kind of non-mass produced italian wines in particular like yes. this one here Rapasso. Even in the last two years, I've seen more and more Rapassos uh, come to the market here, and they're not going to come to the market if there's not if people aren't buying them. Yeah. So, I'd say more of those kind of styles that aren't as well known, um, but offer a lot of a lot of value and um, you know, are just kind of approachable every, everyday wines. Uh, I think we're going to start seeing more and more of those. It scares me a little what you said, uh, because now the tax for alcohol, yeah. every single year they're putting up because of. I know we have a reputation of drinkers, yeah. but like, I think that's already changing. It, it you know, is, yeah. is working the taxation in that yeah. sense, but they still nagging, impressing the drinking industry, mm -hmm. and the the reflex is we we need to pay more. The same bottle yeah. you would pay in Italy probably five euros, you pay here fifteen euros. Yeah. The point is, the supermarkets know that there is a limit. People will not go beyond 15 euros per bottle. Yep. That's what they sell is below 15. Mm -hmm. If it's above 15, that will be sitting on the shelf for weeks yep. to, to make the money back. What worries me is they will start to buy cheaper wine and bring to the market, market cheaper and, la you know, like, not good quality wine just to reflect that and like uh, something worries me a little uh, in that sense but need to find a balance yeah but um i think you're in the right way uh, i think i'm a little more pessimist thinking the marketing way uh, yeah. and what they could do i hope you're in the right mindset comparing with me i'm an optimist i, I like I, i like to think that the uh, quality will, will will always win quality at, at good value oh yes yeah um, and when I say good value, I don't mean cheap. I don't mean, if I say something good value, I don't mean it's uh, eight euro a bottle. Um, if it was a nice oh, yeah, wine and eight euro yeah, a bottle, yeah, that's yeah, great value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give, me, give, me, give me the full when I say, container. Yeah, when I say good value, I mean at, at this wine here, at 10 euro, yeah. I think this is great value. That's at great, 15, yes. I still think it's good value. It's a lovely oh, wine. Oh, yes, yes. Um, and it, because it suits my wife's taste perfectly, means I always yeah. win at home and I bring home a bottle. So, um, so yeah, I, I, but Irish people are getting more adventurous with their wine taste. Yeah. And I think as that taste develops, um, they'll move away from the mass producers and more towards uh, the, 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 not necessarily smaller producers. Some of these guys are massive, but uh, the, the less well-known uh, uh, styles and, you know, even varieties of wine and, uh, and the whole lot. So yeah, I, I'm starting to see more and more of that over the last few years. And um, even there's a there's a friend a friend of mine he he knows his wine but there's another friend of ours who, who sees just as much he's just is it red and wet great but even now he started because <laughs> i've recommended a few uh riocas to him and even now he's like oh i actually did like that and that tasted more like this and so even somebody who's just like it's red and wet i'll drink it even now he's starting to to, to, to see the differences there and i'm seeing that more and more which is nice to see because the nice thing about wine is it's 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 I think it's a great social drink. Yes. So one of my favorite things to do in the world is sit at home. The kids have gone to bed or the younger kids have gone to bed at home. Uh, we're just finishing our dinner with my wife and we just have a glass of wine. 
and we just chat about it today, whatever. That's that's one of my favorite uh, favorite things to do. We're not downing bottles of wine. We're just we're we're just having sipping a glass and of wine. Have a, enjoying. Yeah. And then when friends call over to the house, you know, sometimes we'll have beer, sometimes we'll have whiskey. And I'm a big whiskey fan as well, but sometimes we'll have whiskey. Uh, but when we're just sitting around chatting with a bottle of wine, and you know, you have oh, the bottle, lovely. and the fact that the bottle of wine sits in the middle of the table too. And somebody notices, oh, getting a bit short there. And, you know, it, you kind of share the serving of the wine. Yeah. And I just think it's a different experience. And uh, that, I think, is taking off more and more, which is I think is lovely to see. It's uh, because of the more social drink, I think. Um, now, look, I'll go down to the pub and have a few pints again as with my mates, and I'll have a great time. <laughs> uh, I'm not saying that's that's bad or that's wrong. Um, but uh, wine is a different type of social. It's just kind of a, a different environment. It's more kind of yes. just relaxed and... You know, I wouldn't go to a pub to watch a match and drink some red wine. Uh, no, uh, no, yeah. no, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't yeah. work. It, it, it's all about the context and who you're drinking with and, you know, what the, what the occasion is. And, you know, I, 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 I do drink some, uh, uh, well, I say expensive. Uh, expensive for me would be anything over 25 euro for me is expensive. Uh, so I drink some expensive wines. Um, but uh, not every day, like maybe a special occasion. Yes, yes. Like there's a couple of uh, Margot wines that I absolutely love. So I get my wife to buy me down for like my birthday or Christmas or uh, whatever. And that's then like, a, I've got a couple of them on the shelf at home and that's like a special occasion wine for me. Uh, and when I when I open it up, maybe we're celebrating something, whatever. Uh, and we sit down and it just adds to the, adds to the occasion. As the experience, the, yeah. the, everything, it's the overall. Yeah. What we should be expecting now from the Irish wine reviews? Oh, so... In the um, future, yeah. Irish wine reviews. I went through. So I mentioned recently, my wife gave birth. She was actually uh, she was a surrogate for a couple of friends of ours. Uh, oh, nice. So um, they couldn't have their own kids. Uh, we stepped in. So we ha I had about nine months where I, wa I was still drinking the odd bottle of wine at home, but I took I kind of eased back a bit, and I wasn't putting up as many reviews because I just wasn't drinking as much wine. And now my wife is back in action. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're, we're drinking more wine at home, so I'm going to keep those reviews rolling because I actually enjoyed them. Because yeah. for me to do a review. I don't just taste it and review it. I spend a bit of time researching the wine first. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's an excuse to learn about the wine. Yeah. So I'm going to keep doing them. Um, and we are close to launching as well. I'm hoping in the next couple of months, uh, winereviews.ie. Oh, um, nice. That's going to be a place where people can go. And so in Ireland, I think the likes of O'Brien's put up a lot of good content with wine. Um, there's um, there's a, a, a woman called uh, Linda Coogan who has a few uh, online wine courses that I think are fantastic. Um, but I think there isn't really a good source for information about wine available in Ireland that you can just go to and get good advice about, you know, how to pick out a, a Rioja when you go to the shop and it, it, based on what's available in the Irish market um, and giving advice like that. So I think there's a it's a, it's a niche, but I think there, there, there's a good niche there for a website like that. So oh, definitely. Um, so it's going to be wine reviews that I eat. We won't be selling wine yet. Um, uh, that's uh, that's. That's a whole other complex world, but we'll sell a few kind of like you know fun wine accessories, you know like good wine openers that that, that I find along the way that I can find a supplier for. Uh, so that's kind of the next thing. So keeping the reviews going online. So you go to at uh, Irish Wine Reviews on um, Instagram, uh, TikTok. I try. I haven't done anything different for TikTok yet, but, but videos are going up there and uh, on YouTube as well. Um, and uh, then uh, winereviews.ie is going to launch in a few months and it will just be a good place you can go to to get good advice about Irish wine. That's or, great. Sorry, not Irish wine, wine available in Ireland. <laughs> no, it was hopefully, great. Hopefully Irish wine soon as well. Oh, yeah. yes, yeah. yes. I, I should try. If I find or if you find, just send to us uh, like a, a share. Yeah. We, everyone will go there and buy the uh, promote yeah. local. I, I, I'm a big believer in promoting local. So as yeah. soon as there's wines available on the Irish market produced in Ireland, I'm going to be... 
I, 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 I'm going to be giving them free marketing all oh, over yes. the place. They don't even have to pay me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was great to have you in. Yeah. And now a quick word from our sponsor, sponsor today. sponsor is Foodcast. Do you want to promote your brand or product in an effective way, direct to our public? Check our website, social media, and all products and services we provide. Contact us for more information. This is Foodcast, where you promote your brand and no, more. Uh, how people can reach out to you? What's the best way to contact you? Uh, so I think the easiest way is just to go onto the Irish Wine Reviews Instagram page and message me. Um, I, I don't, I, I, you know, I get, I get a couple of messages a week, not hundreds, so I'll see the yes. message coming through. Um, and then uh, if you want to email me about anything, you can just nolltate at gmail.com. It's nice and easy. N-O-E-L-T-A-T at gmail.com. Um, and uh, yeah, that's kind of the quickest, easiest way to contact me. That's perfect. Thank you for watching or listening to Foodcast, uh, where you get your podcast and more. Thank you. Thank you very much. It was great. That was, was great. great. That was a good fun chat.